0: Hello and welcome to those Vicar blogs. I'm Howell, the nerdy vicar,
1: and I'm Dave Coaches.
0: So, Dave, what have you been up to? Anne? have you ever done anything fun? Fun? Yeah, it was only Wednesday. we yeah. were doing this early, aren't yeah. we?
1: Uh, I went. I went downtown looking for some Sketchers. 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 Well, once you've had a pair of Sketchers, you never go back, right?
0: Oh, there's old people shoes. And uh,
1: mine are tired now. Yeah. I'm. I'm They're wearing through the memory phone. Yeah, I know, but I went all to, to Clark's Village the other week, tonight to get some, and they didn't have any nice ones in the Sketcher shop. Oh, so I right, thought I'd yeah. have a look round town. So I went downtown with them, um, with Elaine and the two older kids, and that was nice. We we had a good, good little time wandering downtown. I haven't done that for a long time.
0: But down there, uh, Cabots and all that. Oh,
1: yeah, Cabot and Broadme. I'm
0: not that oh, like keen down there, actually. To be honest, wherever I go, Bath, it's all right. It's, you it's, snob. You
1: know,
0: that's so no snobby.
1: I mean, I generally prefer Cribs Coolsway, but
0: I thought I might save well, a few quid, don't I? Yeah, it's a bit...
1: But I still didn't find any that I wanted.
0: I skipped old people's shoes. I know. Yeah.
1: They've all gone trainers, not shoes now.
0: <laughs> what do I do? Um, I watched um, oh, I watched Blade Runner 2048. That was really cool. Right, that's good. I really enjoyed that. We watched that on Saturday night, so we sort of got together as a family and sat down and watched that. It was my daughter's suggestion, so it was a really good film, that is. So I really enjoyed that. Just been work, 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 really, to be honest with you, other than that. Um, and just sort of calming down and chilling out, really, after Christmas. Mm. So it's, it's been, been really quite good.
1: been quite a hectic week, to be honest. I've had very little room to fit anything in the diary where I've been busy doing this, that and the other, where that, that couple of weeks, whereas... I know we're busy with services over Christmas, but everything else sort of gets de- delayed until after yeah. Christmas. And yeah, you've got to catch up. That's just whacked into me in every way, so...
0: Yeah, it's yeah, so the, oh, I'll do a that after bit, Christmas yeah. jobs, innit? Phil yeah,
1: it? Yeah, exhausted
0: now, to be honest. Yeah, well, we, yeah I was going to say you're on holidays in a bit anyway, yeah. so is it February, innit? February after, him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, So what are we on about today then?
1: Um, we talk about William Lord, former Archbishop of Canterbury, and... Um, from the companion 70- of Charles the First.
0: Yeah, so uh from the English Civil War. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was Archbishop in the He may Civil or may War. not have started it. Well, I don't think he did he didn't start it. No. no. No, definitely. No, I think he was very complicated how that started. Um I think He
1: may have been a contributing factor. I think he was a contributing yeah.
0: factor, yeah, definitely. Well, um that's
1: part of the fun. It is, yeah. Um we talk about um vocations, what it means to have a vocation given to you by God and what that potentially might look like.
0: Having a purpose in your life, yeah. yeah. And oh, for the telly, we have to apologise. I did want Dave to watch Attack on Titan, but it wasn't on Netflix, so Dave hasn't been able to watch it, so we've got to watch Traitors instead. So Attack on Titan is out. Sorry to Attack on Titan. I know we've got a couple of Attack on Titan fans, actually, who listen to the podcast.
1: What both people who watch it listen? No, this bloke as well. came up
0: to me. This guy came up to me. I forgot his name now, and he was talking to me about Attack on Titan. And he said, "Oh, it's really good and all that," and he really enjoyed Vinland and anime and things. Talked about the podcast, yeah. Right, so there okay. are other nerds out there who enjoy it, right? Not just me, honestly, right? Honestly, so we're watching Treated as instead, and yeah. we've got the new improved music now, haven't we?
1: I don't know what you've
0: got. Well, I got that new music. I put it on oh, last that week. It wasn't
1: great, though, was it?
0: Well, we have to have.
1: I sent you a bit on.
0: Yeah, is that copyright free though?
1: No, you. Were well, you check that? You're well, the tech uh... prison, not me. All
0: right. If you've got any copyright free music you'd like to send in, right? I go. I went for the most blandest, boringest rubbish. Yeah,
1: absolutely. You did, didn't you? Well,
0: yeah. You wanted it bland, didn't you? You said you wanted it. We boring. didn't
1: want it to come in so heavy. We wanted a ah. nice gentle end to it, didn't we, Mike? But what we do, it has to be something good.
0: Oh, well, all right. Well, I'll use this. We get start getting copyright strikes. I'll blame you. All right.
1: Well, see you. Better check before you put it on. Yeah. It's only Wednesday now, so you got till Friday. Okay. So I'll I'll so check... Pull your finger out and get on with so it. Dave. Dave. Of course, it's our day off on Thursdays, isn't it? So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. So I'll check this music that Dave sent me, and if it's different to what it was last week, then obviously it's copyright free. So hold your head up for the. All right, music that Dave's picked. So, this week, now we're, and for the next uh, couple of months, let us know how it's going, uh, whether you like it or not. We're going to focus on a different hero of the faith. So, what we're going to do is go through something called Exciting Holiness, which is a book where uh, each day you have a saint, or every other day we have a saint.
1: Well, there's three or four tomorrow. Yeah, it's loads, it's, isn't it? It's my birthday it's tomorrow. There's three or four saints on my birthday. it? One of them being David of Scotland. Oh, right. you think, think that's great. I'm named yeah. after him, but no.
0: Dave, Dave Scotland. Rather than or Dave or coaches, Dave of Scotland. Die of Wales. Die of Wales, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so this book, we use, they use it a lot in the Froome side um, for their weekday services. And it gives a little um, explanation of the saint or the person before each of the services. I thought it would be interesting to do this, really, because I think it's really important that we are proud of our faith and that yeah. we see our history as Christian people as actually a mixed bag of good and evil
1: yeah and also that we're not isolated beings and we're not only in amongst the presence of the people that are here now but that we are part of that communion of saints both um past and present
0: yeah because really the christian family goes back through time as well as across the world so just like when we do our own family history It's important to us to remember or have stories from our family that helps us feel more connected to them and also, as well, more connected to our brothers and sisters around us. Yeah. You know, so that's what family history does. And I think what we've done in the church, we've kind of forgotten this, I think. Yeah. And I think that's a great shame, but also, as well, it makes us feel more isolated, I think.
1: Yeah. And we're going to discuss it.
0: Differently
1: to the way that um, that Ben presents those in in his homilias, because if you've listened to homilia, you'll often find that he's talking about a saint of of the past in that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll try and put a different angle on that. Yeah. And try and link that to what's going on in the world today a little bit.
0: Yeah, because I think what what we find all the time is that we are told that. Life today is nothing like it was before. Uh, everything's new, and we can learn nothing from the past. And I think if we have an awareness of our Christian history and the heroes of the faith of our Christian history, we understand that, and the, and the scriptures as well. We understand that things have always. There's nothing new under the sun, in it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's there's so we can learn from history learn from how humans in the past have done it and that's a bit of a hack because i think that we've ended up almost like teenage kids i can say that where we just say shut up dad what do you know yeah we got we can't learn anything from the people of the past because they were all bad and evil and racist so shut up but that's just what i would say when i was 15 and stupid yeah, but... I'll speak for myself. But now yeah.
1: you're, like, 46 and still stupid. Well, so. a
0: little bit less stupid, I think. Right, okay. Not a lot, but a little bit less stupid. So, today it's uh, William Lord. Um, do you want me to read it out? Yeah, go
1: for it, because you've got it on the I screen. i a now. short
0: one, yeah. So, William Lord was appointed... That's the person who we're talking about this week. So, William Lord was appointed Archbishop of Canterbury by his friend... An ecclesiastical ally, King Charles I, in 1633, the aim of both archbishop and monarch was to counter the reforming Puritan movement, which emphasised personal and ecclesial austerity as a means of sustaining conversion. Lord was a high churchman who felt that the majesty of God should be reflected in the liturgy of the church and rigorously set about, ensuring that its ministers should practice what he preached. He relentlessly appro- approached, uh, left no, his relentless approach, sorry, left no room for variance of practice. Sounds like you, Davis. Does, it does, to be fair. Yeah. But neither did the Puritans and the latter had the upper hand in parliament and eventually impeached William Lord in 1640, imprisoned him in the tower of London. His friend, the King did not or could not, come to his assistance as he was beheaded on this day in 1645.
1: It's quite interesting different folklore, though, because that's from Exciting Holiness, and and, um, Saints on Earth um, has a slightly different story um, because it would indicate that uh, he did have death by a parliamentary act and he was executed in 1645 but he prayed on the scaffold so that gave me the sense that he was hung
0: oh well, he had a scaffold for um for uh... so you were
1: elevated for beheadings as well oh yeah, yeah yeah all right anyway he 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 did a little prayer while he was up there all right yeah he said lord i am coming as fast as i can i know i must pass through the shadow of death before i come to see thee lord receive my soul and have mercy upon me and bless this kingdom with peace and plenty, and with brotherly love and charity, that here may not be this effusion of Christian blood amongst them, for Jesus Christ, his sake, if it be thy will.
0: Amen. Amen. Oh. So, what's your take on William Lord? You said you preached on him today.
1: Well, well I looked at the longer biography and he was all in favour of east facing altars and altar frontals and candles and all of those things that I'm a real big fan of. So, he was, he was a dean. Including Dave. an east facing altar, but it's so misunderstood.
0: Oh, yeah, an east facing altar in my last parish, yeah.
1: Well, we got one at. Um...
0: They've got one in All Saints with the one down, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and they got one at St. James Iron Act. Yeah, they right? have, yeah, yeah. And, and they're nice because you're at the front, you're leading the people in prayer. And as opposed to being the focus, you're not facing them, you're facing with them.
0: Yeah, because you it's actually about being with the people rather than sh- putting something on for the people. Yeah. In a sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, what's your other take on William Lord, other than him being sort of a bit sort of uh, traditional?
1: Well, I, I think that um, that he had a really good point. Everything should be the same. What? No deviations in liturgy. Oh, it's all got to be done Dave's way. No, 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 the right way. The right way. <laughs> no, I don't really... So why do you think... I don't really believe that, but... Um, <laughs> there was an extreme nature of it, and you need to bear in, in mind the time that it took place. Um in the seventeenth century, where there there is a, a the tail end of a religious revolution where actually there's still a fight for control and power, and he's charles the i's friend he's put in these positions not necessarily because of who he is uh, not because of what he is but who he is. And he, he he holds to these opinions. But when the, the biographers say we're not quite sure why he was so resolute in that.
0: So you're not sure whether it was William Lord or Charles I? Yeah. I think it was probably William Lord, for what I know about Charles I. Yeah, maybe. Charles I wasn't known as a very strong character.
1: No, but then that's why you need the strength of the characters around. Yeah. In the right positions.
0: So to give a bit of background, really, is something... Really, this is the back end of the Reformation. The Reformation kicks off in the beginning to the middle of the 16th century. So it's 100 years before, really, uh, with the printing press, the publication of the Bible, with a revolution, really, in information, which is very similar to that of today. I I think that they, they call it the crisis of the 17th century. So... In the 17th century, all across Europe and actually all across the world, there was a trouble in China as well. There was a massive crisis driven by uh, new technologies, by uh, wages and things like the birth rate and things like that. So if we think it's a few hundred years after the Black Death, right... So more people have been born. So there was a, a, an explosion of technology, agricultural technology. So that meant the birth rate went up. So then wages were suppressed. So people were poorer and, uh, say, the 16th and 17th century. So there's these economic things and new technologies coming in all over the place, which are driving division. Yeah. So this is the time of uh, what they call the... The I forgot they called now the leaflet people basically they used to publish leaflets they worked out how to do um, lots and lots of leaflets and woodcuts have you seen those woodcuts from around this time no oh they're great they like they uh, what they would do they would carve into a piece of wood a picture like a cartoon right? yeah and then they put the cartoon at the top of the sheet of paper and they print like a tract underneath right mm. about you know, how awful the king was or why you should have candles in church or why candles in church are, like, from the devil, right? And the the woodcuts are kind of, they'd have the pope as the devil and things like that. Or there's a wonderful one where uh, they were making fun of the Eucharist. So they had a person being put into a mincer, right? And this guy was turning the handle. So Jesus being put into a mincer. Right. This guy's turning the handle and out of the bottom are coming communion wafers. Right. So they were what what we call today memes. Yeah. So like a bit like Twitter, really? Or Facebook or whatever. Though it was social media at the time. Not quite so fast and interactive. No, but I think it was the first time you could mass produce a picture. Yeah. So that's what's driving this, this division, because people weren't used to it. So,
1: so it was the new media at the time and that that's what that's caused what, the, the divide, really.
0: Yeah. So maybe what William Lord was trying to do is bring some stability to the situation.
1: A prevalence of opinion, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, before that, if your church changed, your church changed. It it was it was probably largely separate to the, the understanding of why yeah but all of a sudden there there could be an understanding of why
0: i don't think it's so much that about an understanding of why i think it's you had suddenly had the technology to check up on people so if you imagine now is in the medieval period up until the printing press the prayer books were all handwritten weren't they yeah so there was no kind of universal service that people had because that would be impossible Yeah. Because everybody had something very... They are the same structure, but the words and things might have been slightly different, you know, those sorts of things. What people did was slightly different. So it wasn't like that at all. And what... You see it in St. Mary's, where they've smashed up the Madonna and child as you walk in. This is a time of, like, extreme violence and sort of, you know, polarisation, really. And I think what William Lord is trying to do um, is bring some kind of order to it.
1: No, I don't think he is. Don't know. No, I think he's fighting for what he's fighting for.
0: So you think he's a bit like the Donald Trump or Joe Biden of his time then? Well, Joe Biden's not really fighting for much, is he? But he's 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 a, he's he's Nigel Farage or who's on the other side of that? Carl Vorderman or something.
1: Yeah, well, more like that. Yeah, but I think since we it's the clash of church and state isn't it, with this particular thing uh, and where they were they were so linked at the time Well i think it's more a case of when we look at the arguments that take place in church over the last 40 or 50 years we're moving from one argument to the next argument about what is and what isn't and we have a very we We have quite a divide in the church between different churchmanships and different theologies and um I think that what we fail to recognize is that um God deals God communicates with us in different ways i mean as 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 somebody with six kids right yeah, none of my kids are the same or even that similar to any of the others. They're all very different. Well that's true, yeah. And, and as a parent you interact with your children differently depending on on their character and and, and the way that it's easiest for you to relate to them really. Mm. Um, and that doesn't mean they don't all have the same ethical frameworks and it and that they don't they don't inherit things from our teaching, because they do, but they but they respond in the world differently to different things and they interact with their parents differently. Differently, So if God is the father figure hmm. and Christ is the example of the perfect child of that father, more than a perfect child, but if we look at the yeah. exemplar of his life elements of it, yeah. then the interaction with the rest of humanity isn't a textbook answer. There's not a one-size-fits-all. So where some of us will be drawn into a closer relationship with God through certain things that happen in church um, and through certain senses being evoked, for other people it will be different things that trigger
0: that response to God so you're saying really then that William Lord is wrong in a sense as were the Puritans at the time because they're trying to create a church which is just for them
1: they're writing a textbook of the things that work for them assuming that's going to work for everybody else yeah and we make that mistake over and over and over again
0: because we're human beings yeah yeah I think there's another thing with it as well is how we understand truth and stuff. So a lot of the time we understand truth like maths. We think there's a answer that, that, that works in a kind of mechanical way. Mm. And I think at this time, this is the beginnings, right. The very beginning of understanding things mechanically rather than organically. So an understanding it rather than as a kind of a living thing, understanding relationships as a mechanical thing. And I think both William Lord and the Puritans were very mechanical in saying this is how you should worship. This is how you should be. Yeah. While I think God's at the end at the end of the day, God's about life and life is a lot more um woolly uh and messy than mechanical things. Yeah. Uh, it makes me think about science really with everything it makes me think about science where in if you do a physics experiment it always works. Right? So if you drop right. something from the ceiling right, and you measure how fast it's going it's always going to drop isn't it. Yeah. Right? If you do a biology experiment anything could go wrong. Right, okay. Because there's far more things involved in it it's a lot more complicated because it's alive. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? But a lot yeah. of the time we think there's and answer. And I think that's the mistake they made back then in the 17th century. And that's the mistake we're making in our society today. Because, yeah. because what, what amazes me is how we think this is always just those religious people being stupid. That's history. But actually today people are behaving almost identically to how they were back then. Yeah. But, you know, and, and back then it led to a civil war. Yeah. You know. Uh, absolutely. So if we want to learn from William Lord, we need to kind of and learn from our history how you can be a person of integrity, um, hold on to that integrity as a good thing, and we should honour both. So I think in a few weeks' time, we'll probably have a, a Puritan from the same year that we celebrate. Because we yeah. have to celebrate both, don't we? Yeah. Like Richard Hooker and people like that who are Puritans. Um, used to, he had a lovely prayer about putting your socks on, he did, Richard Hooker. Did he? Yeah. Right, okay. He's one of the Caroline Divines, yeah. Okay, so that's that's uh, William Lord. Let us know what you think about... Um, oh, and to finish off, I should tell him this, I preached on this in All Saints Winterborne Down as well. Right, and I gave them some homework. Right, they meant to be like arch traditional, didn't they? All something yeah. born down. Do you know what their homework was? No. To reflect on Christian history, right, and to realize that if they don't know their past, then it's easier for people to control them. Right. So I go going to listen to a song, on Google to Google a song. Right, that I needed to listen to. You know, in order to understand that
1: Google. Well, yeah, they they they, said they
0: would do it, right? They said they would do it, right? And do you know what the song was? Rage Against the Machines, Testify.
1: Right, okay. Yeah? We We need to add some context context to this for the listeners. listeners. Um, The average (laughs) age of the (laughs) communicant at Winterborne (laughs) Down on a Tuesday is what, do you reckon? 70-odd. High 70s or early 80s?
0: Mid-70s, something like that.
1: Mid-70s, right, okay. Some of them might be listeners, so I don't want to insult them. Yeah, yeah, but they are—they are quite an elderly bunch. Um,
0: so they still appreciate. They rage against the machine, n-
1: not to know how to use the internet. Most well, of we can find and out, And you can't give they? them rage against the machine.
0: Testify. There's a wonder- and this is the thing to finish with. There's a wonderful line in Testify, which is from the book 1984, right? Yeah. yeah. The purpose, of- the point of the song is, is it goes like this: it goes. Who controls the past controls the future. Who controls the present controls the past, which is from 1984. Right. And then they shout, now testify. And what they're saying is, if we don't understand our own history, then we can be controlled. So we have to testify to the truth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool track. So thanks for listening to those vicar blokes don't forget to subscribe to us and also as well to share it around with your mates uh either do that online or chit chat about it with people also as well uh don't forget to um comment underneath with your thoughts what you think and comment with suggestions for new things for us to watch or stuff for us to say if you've got a favorite hero from the christian faith that you want us to talk about send that in uh, and we'll we'll do some research and look him up or her up and find about it, and it won't be quite as boring as uh Therese of Lisieux. I've, I've offended so many people now by calling Therese of Lisieux boring. I expect you have, yeah. Yeah, never mind. I'm sure they'll understand. Now, this Sunday, it's the baptism of Christ, or the call of the first disciples, depending, because nobody knows... What no, the calendar it gets is lost
1: in the calendar. Uh, so it... so we had options last last week. So, so annoying so this is. the option was that if you observed Epiphany on the Saturday, then you should do baptism of Christ on the Sunday. But if you didn't do Epiphany on the Saturday, you should do it on the Sunday. And then I don't know what happens to the Baptism of Christ. You don't get baptized this year. Oh,
0: trust you to know the rules though, don't Oh yes. Yeah, you're such a nerd for the, the church rules, man. So, yeah, so we're going to talk about vocational, vocation Sunday we're doing in Yate, which is to do with the Baptism of Christ. The reason we're doing it on Baptism of Christ is that we want to kind of get people to think about what ministry is. Well, it's not
1: Baptism of Christ now,
0: is it? All right, well, well, we can talk about ministry, can't we? Yeah, 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 all right. That's the point, isn't it? We're talking about ministry, yeah, so... The, the the gospel reading is the call of uh, Philip and Nathaniel. Yeah, and it's the Old Testament reading is the call of Samuel. You remember Samuel? Samuel. Samuel, Samuel. Samuel. In the temple, he gets called three times yeah. in the temple, doesn't he? Yeah, He does indeed. Yeah. So it's all about God calling us and trying to think about that not through the lens of priests. Yeah. Because the trouble with, and I'll say this, right, the problem with Bristol Diocese. Just careful. No, I'm going to say. We it might have
1: listeners in I places. I don't care, right? Uh, uh, right. Oh, I might need to disassociate myself from your comment. No,
0: this is true, right? Is it? it's too clericalized. In other words, it's too focused on priesthood in a bad way, in the sense of like, as soon as somebody's got a vocation, they only understand vocation as either licensed lay minister somebody at the front preaching or a priest somebody at the front preaching and there's very little evidence or training um, very little emphasis or training on all the other ways in which god calls us
1: i do think that there are elements of transforming church that um they're trying, they're, they're working on that at present they I are think yeah. i would say that generally i would say probably what you're saying is historically true.
0: Yeah, I think my criticism is not that my criticism is they're behind the curve. Yeah. So in other dioceses, like um in Lichfield, and they had a similar system in Blackburn as well, and Coventry and Birmingham. I think Worcester's got a similar one as well. Is that you would do a course which would be the equivalent of exploring Christianity. Yeah. Right. Which is called Bishop's Certificate in Lichfield. You do that for a year. And then you do another course called Pathways to Ministry. Right. I used to teach that. And what you do is through doing that course, you would discern what type of ministry God was calling you into. And then there were all sorts of tracks for the third year that you could go down to enhance that. So you could be a youth worker. You could be a pastoral worker. You could be uh, a pioneer worker. All these different courses that were on offer and then in the cathedral, on the same day, they licensed the LLMs, the local lay ministers. They would license worship leader was one as well. Is they would license all these different people for these specific ministries. So, so he made the point that God calls everybody for ministry in their life, and that and the priesthood did it, yeah.
1: Okay, but what about all of those important ministries that take place where you don't necessarily need a three-year course, you're just more getting on with the business of ministering in God's church and you're not going to have a little certificate coming through f- from the, cath- the cathedral at a special service? Yeah, I, but they because did... Because they're still yeah. recognised ministries. They're yeah. almost a bit like saying... And and I, and I hate this about the the thinking in the church is that you know there's somehow a a, a hierarchical aim of what you're going to do so. You know, oh, I need to be a priest because if I can't be a priest, I can't be an archdeacon. If I've not been an archdeacon, I can't be a bishop. So I really I want to be a bishop, but to oh. do that, I need to follow these steps. And then, so yeah. if, if you if you're not seen as quite good enough to be a priest, we might make you an LLM, then you are less dangerous. But that's not the way that it works. That's but the then, opposite, and that's not the way that it should ever be viewed. And I'd like to say that's not the way it's ever been, but I'm not sure that I would be acting in integrity of people if i thought that everybody didn't do that that's not the way it is we're called into a distinctive ministry but that might be the distinctive ministry of the person who offers the hospitality through making good drinks and nice cakes yeah and that's a perfectly valid ministry in god's church and for god's kingdom but it's not ever gonna take three years of study and and a, a, a license in, in in the
2: cathedral,
0: but we used to hold services like we're doing renewal of baptismal vows on um, on Sunday for it. Um, that's what we're doing in in Saint Nick's anyway, and, and we're doing a sort of version of that across the parish. Um, but basically, what we're and we're preaching on this idea of everyone's got a vocation. But what we're doing there is that we're affirming that it doesn't matter what we do. If God has called us to do it, then that is of the same value as everybody else. So there is no hierarchy of value in your vocation. So the vocation of the person who uh, faithfully cleans the church, mm. right? Or faithfully um, is on the coffee rotor, or faithfully visits people in their community or whatever somebody does, yeah. is as important as the Archbishop of Canterbury. Yeah. That's what God says, is there is no hierarchy of value of what people do, because we are the body of Christ that builds together. It it almost feels sometimes that we want to have a head without a body. And I, and I think sometimes it's to do with... We're very touchy about sometimes about people dressing up in church. You know, oh, I don't want robes, it makes people look more important and all that. But it's not about that. It's actually about like with the William Lord thing. He's saying, yeah. oh, we want equality, we want everyone to be the same. We don't want people dressing up, we don't want this, we don't want that, because then it'll be more equal. And I think that's a real misunderstanding because it's actually what's in your heart that counts. So, if you're at the front in a shirt and tie, because you don't, you know, you won't even wear a dog collar because you don't believe in dressing up and you say that everybody's the same, everyone's uh, of equal value, but it's how you actually act that's important, isn't it? Yeah. And I don't think, I think people think that uh, equality in vocation is to do with not dressing up sometimes. Well, it's
1: quite interesting. It was just running through my mind. Um some of the more ancient and beautiful chasubles that you'd wear when you were leading the Eucharist. You're such a tat guy. I know. you but you're the, such a tat But the guy. picture was always on the back, right? Yeah, yeah. And the picture was always focused on Christ. Yeah. So you'd, you'd have the face of Christ on the back of you or you'd have him on the cross or whatever. It would always be to draw your attention to Christ. And because you're facing the wrong way and they're only looking at the back of your head, it can never never be your face that they're focused on. It could only ever be Christ. And so that's part of that dressing up bit. We 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 do it when we do it for good reason. Yeah. And and that's that's been set up like a straw man and whacked down in be, various places.
0: I think it has. And I think the thing is with it, is like I used to say to altar servers I say a good altar server is invisible. Yeah. Because you you mold it because you're part of the team. You the only sanctuary. see them
1: if they make a mistake, don't yeah,
0: you? Yeah, yeah. But that's the same with a cleaner, isn't it? A good cleaner's invisible. Yeah. A good administrator's invisible. Yeah. You know, um, all these different things that, that that are done. I think most vocations, the the better they're actually the the to a better extent they performed, they they become less less visible. Yeah. Like a good priest sometimes can be invisible. When when we're doing pastoral care, a lot of what we do, nobody knows about and they shouldn't know about.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, that's true.
0: Because I know there was this thing on Twitter once um, called Our C of E. I think it's still going. It's still going, yeah. Yeah, I had
1: that once. Um, Don't you follow it? No. Oh, I will follow that.
0: Do you? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. But I had it once for a week when I did this pilgrimage, so it was quite nice actually that. But I remember thinking after I did it, it was easy telling people what I was doing when I was on pilgrimage, right? Yeah. But if it was like a normal week, there'd be loads and loads of things I couldn't actually put in. No,
1: that's very true.
0: And it would be really wrong. So actually, a lot of what vocations are hidden. Yeah. But they're of equal value. So I think, yeah so that's what we're celebrating yeah, yeah
1: that's true i mean we've got a, a ministerial experience scheme worker at the moment um who's done a lot of shadowing of the stuff that i do oh yeah but a, a good quarter of my week y- he can't be out no he can't be out because it's is of a of a nature that wouldn't be appropriate yeah not that i'm into, up to inappropriate things but i mean no, no, but you, can't, research, and, and, you know. Exactly,
0: and I think it's the same for all our vocations. They're just unique, depending on what God has called us to do. And and the the important thing is that we try and do it in the best way possible. Like um, I think I said the other week, the the most boring saint I said in this um, in this sermon, the most boring saint in the world is Therese of Lisieux. Have you heard of Therese of Lisieux?
2: No.
1: Oh,
0: anyway, she was a nun in the 19th century in France, right? She's a doctor of the church, okay? Right. worth reading up on. And she never really got out of this convent, right? But she wrote all these books while she was there. So she became she died of TB when she was like about 23, something like that, okay? So she wrote all these books called The Little Way. And what she says is it doesn't matter what you're doing, you've got to do it as if God... You're doing it for Jesus. Yeah. So you do it with the most amount of love. So the way to find God in everyday life is to do everything we do with the most amount of love for the other. So you, you do the washing up um, to show that you love your Yeah,
1: Paul family. wrote that to somebody anyway, didn't he? What? He wasn't talking about the washing up, but he wrote to one of his communities. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. He said, "She said they were like petals from everything. Giving it, giving it
1: your everything. In yeah, she was a of mystic.
0: Yeah, Teresa Lisieux, but she never did anything exciting.
1: Except the washing up.
0: Yeah, her, her life was like really boring. So she's like the opposite of I don't know Oscar Romero. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, his life was boring for most of it. He only got excited in the last couple of years. He was a stuffy old bookworm he
1: was. Yeah, but Jesus' life was boring. He only got exciting in the last three years as well. There we are. Or at least we don't know that he was exciting in the first 30.
0: Yeah, so maybe that's the thing.
1: Other than the fact he did his little bit, his um, prelude to Home Alone, you know, in the temple at 12. (laughs) (laughs) Mary and Joseph. Oh, uh, no, we've
0: forgotten Jesus. (laughs) Where's he gone? Home Alone. (laughs) But he didn't set traps in the temple for Joe Pesci, though, did he? Not at
2: that point. He didn't set
0: his hair on fire or anything. All of the
1: stuff, all the funny games in the temple, they came after.
0: That's true. But I think think that's the thing, though. We have to get away from this idea of vocation being about at the front. Yeah. Vocation being visible. Vocation being about uh, preaching and all those sorts of other things. But that's just a vocation.
1: It's about being the best you can be in God's service, doing what you can do, not what you can't do. Yeah. Um,
0: And I think that's a a really good antidote to um, the success narrative that they have um, in school and around us all the time now, how to be successful. And I think that's a really destructive narrative actually because everyone's got to be successful, haven't they? Yeah. And if you're not successful, it's your fault because you didn't try enough.
1: Well, well, you get... uh, It's it's a bit of a road to go down. This and a bit dangerous. Um, But you get that mixed bit of... You didn't achieve that because you didn't try hard enough, but you also get that bit that comes earlier where it says you can be anything you want to be if you just... Wish for an artno. Yeah, that's it. Just dream big enough dreams, and you can do that. And I've never heard such a load of twaddle in all my life.
0: But RuPaul's Drag Race has got a really cool song about that. It's really quite funny. Well,
1: I've know, never watched that. You
0: haven't watched RuPaul's Drag Race.
1: I've seen a little bits of a few episodes. I saw, I saw the final one here. Yeah, you know by when, accident.
0: You know in the final when they crown the bloke who wins it. RuPaul's Drag Race is a is a kind of reality competition for. Drag queens, yeah, it's,
1: it, like, right? yeah. it's like, queens, yeah, he's like X Factor drag, yeah, it
0: is, yeah. And at the end of it, they got this song, If I Dream Anything I Wanna Be, if I Dream, and they have this big crown, and they put it on this bloke's head, yeah. So they have this big, massive crown. We need
1: a sign on the door that says recording in progress or a red light out there yeah we do, my daughter just came in
0: I was in full full flow with RuPaul's Drag Race, but that's the same thing it's the same thing about success isn't it saying that you can be successful and God's not interested in success is he? I think God's measure of
1: success is different to the human measure of
0: success yeah do you want to say a bit more about that?
1: Well, I don't know that I've really defined my answer on it, but uh. I just think that, that we measure success in very human terms. And that's about where you live, how much you earn, what car you drive, what clothes you wear, um, who your friends are. Um, who you're married to, all of these things are markers of success in human terms.
0: How important and I, you are. And
1: I think all of that is irrelevant to God. Yeah. And what makes you successful is to a, to being the human being that God created you to be.
0: And that could be being at the front. It might be. It could be, but that should be a burden, isn't it? Well, it is. Yeah. It should be a it should be something you don't want to do.
1: It's a burden to me when you're at the front doing it uh, wrong.
0: Yeah, well. That's because you don't do the epiclesis properly. See you all this stuff about oh, anyway. Um but I can feel uh, I can oh, feel the
1: spirit come down when I do my epiclesis. Can you? Yeah, you just lazy resting your hands on the table. Really?
0: I'm following the proper actions. But I think uh, I think Maybe that's something to think about as well is with our vocation is whatever that vocation is, it's how we, how we discover it is through the joy that we feel and the most alive that we are. So I feel most alive and most joyful when I'm being a priest, when I'm exercising my priesthood. Yeah. Yeah. So that doesn't actually mean I'm enjoying myself. It doesn't actually mean I'm happy. It means I feel most alive. Yeah. Which is a different thing. And I would say that marriage, fatherhood, all these other things, is when you're exercising your vocation, you feel most alive. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think that's the question we need to ask ourselves, is um, where when do we feel on the deepest level most alive and you just said when you're saying the Eucharist isn't it Mm. yeah I'd agree with that yeah but the only reason you do that is because when you're saying the Eucharist you're bringing all those people and all those situations which we have to hide because they're confidential you're bringing all of that to the altar and offering it up to God right yeah absolutely yeah so you're fulfilling your priesthood but also as well you could feel if your vocation is um to do the live streaming yeah it's the same thing
2: i think
1: the other place where i really really feel it is when you're alongside a family in their grief and you're planning the the funeral of something yeah. they love
0: yeah the that's
1: the... that's where
0: that's where i feel Really cool to be where I am, and that's a horrible situation a lot of the time, isn't it? Yeah, the more it... horrible the situation, the more alive I feel. That's really strange, isn't it? Because we can be the light in the darkness,
1: yeah, but at the same time, that being alive can also be quite exhausting,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not something you want to do, no, but I think if there's be this... a weight
1: to it, there's a weight that we carry. But much like when you carry anything else, this a really heavy weight. You can feel the pains of it the next day. For example, I took a washing machine to the tip last week. Oh yeah. And I was really careful because of my bad back to make sure I lifted with my legs. And um, the next day I could barely walk because my legs yeah. were killing me. Um, but it's that same sort of thing. You carry, you carry spiritual and, and emotional things in a different way to you carry physical things. But they still, you still feel the pressure of them.
0: And I think it would be the, the same moments, for, stuff, it, like. that would be the same for motherhood, fatherhood, being a good, looking after elderly relatives. Yeah. Looking after children. Um, all these vocations, which are of infinite worth, are difficult, mm. costly, um, but you feel alive. Yeah. Like, tomorrow i've got to take my father in law to a hear- for a hearing test and he'll be annoying <laughs> right but it's the it's it's what we do isn't it you know it's what we do yeah you know to when you and it's the same for for kids same for everything got to keep it love isn't a nice thing it's it's a, a costly thing isn't it yeah and that's what we if we're meant to be following jesus um there was a great cost for his love, wasn't
2: there? Yeah, absolutely.
0: But if we understand love as soppiness and happiness and all that, that's not that's not Jesus, is it? No. Thanks for
1: listening to those Vicar blokes. There's a range of merch available no there isn't.
0: Maybe we should we get, should some, get merch. some merch. I thought that we the other day. We should get some merch. Do that'd we be we get so cool. Try get a mug. You can get in mugs that we can get uh, printed uh, and Mugs that. are
2: a bit
1: lame,
0: aren't they? Well, we'll have a t shirt. Well, I suppose if we
1: got our listeners to buy them, though, that would be all right. T shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies. We should do that. Car stickers.
0: Car stickers. Yeah. We some stickers. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: All right. So, I, little a little bit of a joke bags. about how we got merch. Um, if you've got any good suggestions for what merch we should offer, let us know. And
0: you could have a little bus for you and you could have, like, Dave Coaches. If you own that.
1: a company that makes it and you want to donate it
0: I know the companies yeah. you can get. Brilliant. Yeah.
1: What a fantastic idea. Anyway, <laughs> until then, until you've got a T-shirt to show that you listen to those Vicar blokes, <laughs> tell your mates that you listen and, and encourage them to do likewise.
0: Okay, so for the telly this week, we're talking about Traitors. Claudia Winkleman. Yeah. Oh, traitors. Yeah, Traitors. On uh, BBC. It's basically Among Us, isn't it?
1: She's, did you know that Claudia Winkleman <sighs> is apparently um, the young man's crush at the moment?
0: What, Claudia Winkleman? Cla- Claudia
1: Winkleman. No. Yeah, apparently so.
0: Really? I mean, that's my lad about that. No, he can't stand her. Can he not? He don't like her, no. Well, he don't that's, like her, the, no. that's
1: the case with everybody in it. They're always a bit. Divisive. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's probably got a different crush, but apparently not, a, a lot of people are are well into Claudia Winkleman in really? the same way that prior to where it would have been Emma Willis, and prior to where it would have been Davina McCall.
0: Who's Emma Willis? Emma- oh, I know who she is. Yeah, Emma Willis. She's the one that did Big Brother, not yeah, she? Yeah, yeah she's yeah, like yeah.
1: every man's type.
0: Is she?
1: I reckon. Nah. Anyway, anyway, spider pie. Yeah. So, Sorry, distracted. Distracted
0: by where did you news. read that? Is it was on uh, the news. I or...
1: saw it on. No, I saw it on Facebook or Twitter. Oh right. Or Instagram or something. something
0: like that. So what? What traitors is is a bit like Among Us. Do you remember Among Us? No. Okay, it's a kind of. There's 22 people in this posh sort of castle in Scotland, isn't it? Yeah. And four of them are traitors, and they are allowed to kill someone. In other words, by writing them a letter to kick out one person out to the competition every night. And they have a big round table meeting once a day where they kick out somebody who may or may not be a traitor. So the people who are faithful, right, they don't know who the traitors are. They've got to kind of work out who the traitors are and kick them out, did not it? Yeah. Basically, that's
1: it. But that's not quite strictly along the line, though, is it? Because actually... If you were clever as a faithful, you wouldn't only try and kick out the traitors, would you? Yeah. You'd try and kick out some of the other faithfuls as well.
0: Yeah, because basically at the end of it, the fewer people left at the end, the more money that's left over in it. Yeah. So there's 120 grand in it that they can yeah. do. Uh, and they can add to that by winning challenges and then. When it's whittled down to a certain amount. I can't remember what it was. I
1: thought they had to win the challenges to get the money up to hundred and twenty.
0: No, no, it's hundred and twenty grand and then they uh Oh it might be, Uh, I don't know. I thought
1: they had to win the challenges to get them to to build the pot. Oh and then the pot is done. Oh
0: yes, BBC programme is cheap, isn't it? So at the moment they have, like what, about sixteen grand, twenty grand, something like that. I don't know what it is, yeah. Yeah. So they're doing this and I don't know. What do you think of it, Dave? It's a reality programme. It's right up your street, really. It's not it? a
1: reality programme, though, is it? Well, is that it's a competition. It's not a true reality programme.
0: Yeah. Um. What do you reckon of it? It's like Big Brother, isn't it, really? No. Well, it's, it's, like, it's more like Survivor. Do you remember that one? It was
1: more like... Well, I remember yeah. it was only on about three weeks ago.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> what, Survivor? Yeah. Is it back now, it's
1: is it? It's back, yeah. Oh, right. Um, okay. Uh, Joel Domit presenting it. Oh right, I didn't. I only sort of dropped in and out of that, and I've only and I didn't really get to watch all of the first episode of this season of Traitors either. But I did watch last season's first episode.
0: So, what take on it? Um, What's your take on it?
1: I think it's manipulating humans to b- behave in a certain fashion and drawing out the darkness of their characters.
0: Just tempting people to behave badly. Yeah. Yeah?
1: And to be deceitful. Yeah. And actually, so on the very premise of it, I don't much like it, because it makes deception and untruth normal. However, having said that, I did like that programme that encouraged you to catfish other people.
0: Yeah, The, the um, Circle. The
1: Circle, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're overdue a series oh, of that, I reckon. Yeah,
0: I watched that. Um, but I don't, know about, I don't know about that. I think in some ways the types of people they have in there are the type of people who they know that that's what they've got to do in order to win the money. And it's edited so that they'll say daft things like, oh, I'll betray anybody, I'll throw anybody under the bus and all yeah. that sort of thing. There's a lot of... Yeah,
1: but does it normalise that behaviour? I understand that they get people in that are going to do that, mm. but to the millions of people watching, does it normalise that? So is, it is more likely to become a way that people behave.
0: I think that's the way a lot of people behave in in work anyway. A lot of the time, that they they have this thing. Where in order to get on, you have to butter up people. You've got to you know suck up to people. You've got to be there's that guy, the ginger guy, who's one of the traitors. He was saying, yeah. "Oh, I'm very good at mirroring people. You know, I can get people on side and all that." And he he sort of likes himself being this sort of master manipulator, doesn't he? This kind of Machiavelli character, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I think he's going to get caught out. I haven't
1: has. tied him back into what his his profile is. Is like, uh, who he is, what he does.
0: He's a an, he's a, he's a manager and a business manager or something, right? So he says he's behaving just like he does in work.
2: Yeah,
0: I don't think it's a very successful strategy, though. Because I think that if you are like that, people clock you and then you lose all your credibility.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably true.
0: Because if you knew someone was a bit sly, then you'd just stay away from them, wouldn't you? You wouldn't trust them, would you? Well, I wouldn't. And you wouldn't work for them, would you? You wouldn't, you wouldn't work well with them, would you?
1: No. It it reminds me of the dishonest manager in in, in the Bible. All right, yeah. Um, where he gets caught cheating his boss, doesn't he? And yeah. He basically then um, calls in the people who owe his boss money and asks their debts in order to win their favor, so as that they might be nice to him because he's too weak to dig and.
0: Oh, the shrewd manager! Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
1: And so he, he's rewarded because of his shrewdness. His shrewdness. So yeah. so he's attractive. To those people who think that dishonesty is a is a good characteristic, because if you can make it work in your favour, is good. If it works against you, it's bad. Mm. It's quite interesting, and I could make a statement to say that's how a lot of our current politicians work. Well, that's true. But since we're not talking on a political level tonight, well, I, I think it's something i, don't I mean, think I'll say that.
0: Well, yeah, I think. Well, I think that's just true, isn't it? I think is is yeah that's just the way things that's the way they are, I think there's something in what you said though about normalizing uh deceit um and, and manipulation, yeah, and I do think maybe it's maybe it's sort of indicative of the way in which the world is now that we have this idea that we have to be successful by any means that's the first thing so it doesn't matter how you become successful you've just got to be successful yeah and I think that's part of it but also as well I think it's this thing where people a lot of people now especially younger people believe relationships are impossible so what's the point of trying yeah and I think that's what older generations like my generation or our generation and our parents' generation have, have kind of done, is because we've struggled um, with relationships as a as a society, then you could understand younger people just thinking, well, what's the point of being honest? What's the point of trusting somebody because everyone's going to betray you? And I think that's why we have the politicians we do, because they betray us left, right and centre, um, and we expect them to. And maybe this... The show
1: yeah, 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 we, just do, thing, we do, Yeah, yeah that, that's, I mean, we. what what you get from those videos, um, and it's the same for all reality shows where mm. they do their, their video clip of uh, the biography bit. It's Love Island, isn't They're they? not quite biography of the saints, are they, usually? No. Um, but they do their short biography bit and they're portrayed in a way that they're portrayed. And I think that's damaging. But I think that's, and, and then other people seek to live up to those stereotypes. And most of the time, they don't turn out to be true. Those who say they're the most nasty usually aren't. Well, it's the that,
0: apprentices like that, aren't they? Yeah. You watch that because it's always got the worst people on it.
1: We, well, you, you just <laughs> wonder where they get these people from. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. You're like, what on earth happened? Did you get the wackiest ideas that are never going to get money out of Dragon's Den, and suddenly <laughs> think let's put them on the telly and show how incompetent they are?
0: So you think I I'd agree with that. I think that's the story that the TV show is trying to show, is trying to portray. So it's almost scripted in that way, yeah. So it's it's a bit like The Apprentice, you know, um, who is the you know they they're trying to show the worst aspects of human nature, really, aren't they? Yeah. I think mean, a lot of people believe business is like that, but I don't think I don't think a successful business is because if you're untrustworthy, then people won't. You'll get found out, and then people won't trust you, and people won't buy your stuff. People won't fall for it, and I think that, in a way, we will finish with this. Is that um, it's a sign of our safety and decadence? Yeah, is in a more. Um, vulnerable community say somewhere in uh, Africa or even like where I'm from somewhere in a mine or something like that is if you betrayed somebody like they do um, or betrayed the community, that's a really massive problem and that's why it's got the larger social sanction so in Wales in, in Aberdeer, if you were sly nobody would speak to you Nobody would respect you. Nobody would go anywhere near you, which was very different when I moved to Cambridge and other places, which was a lot safer because people weren't that bothered about being sly.
1: Yeah, that's interesting.
0: And I think that's because of the mining and industrial background. Is that you needed to rely on your friends to keep you safe in work, and if they were tra- if they were traitors or they were sly, then you- someone's going to get hurt. Yeah. And I think industrial places are like that.
1: Yeah, you're probably right. That makes a lot of sense.
0: Because, you know, if there's a collapse in the mine, or the the, the army's like that as well, you need yeah, yeah, to rely on, yeah. you know, if there's a collapse in the mine, you've got to rely on your mates to pull yeah, you up. Yeah, on
1: the count of three, we're going over the top. Yeah. And if you're the only one, you're the one who's dead.
0: So I think that's the thing. The atomized society and this slave behaviour is a function of wealth and safety, not health and safety. Wealth and safety. Oh, I like yeah. that. Wealth and safety. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that's that's quite good, that. We
0: got a new thing. Right, so next time, what are we talking about? I don't know. All right. Hang on a minute.
1: I can't remember.
0: Wheel of Time.
1: Wheel of Time. Wheel, Wheel of Time. Of time. On, on Amazon. Amazon video.
0: Right. Wheel of Time.
1: I've not seen it. I just looked at it and thought it would be right up your street.
0: Oh, yeah. And I have to apologise. The reason we've done Traitor's rather than Attack on Titan, even though it's a really cool uh, outro, is they've taken it off Netflix. Yeah. And also, as so well, my son did remind me, right, that you might get upset because Erin's mum gets eaten by a Titan in the first, like, two minutes of the programme. Right, okay. So it's a bit... It's not really... It's got a... It's a D rating, D so for Dave.
1: So your, your son thinks I'm...
0: Well, you do say things are too gory for you, don't you?
1: We can lily it. that's what well, you said. Well, yeah.
0: you did say Vinland was a bit too gory for you, didn't you? Yeah, but I?
1: I still watched it well beyond the point that I needed uh, to.
0: Okay, well, maybe... if um, so I you did get... get into it. Well, but if I, I, I just did...
1: shut my eyes at the gory bits. So.
0: Oh, well, I'll give you his crunchy roll. <gasps> I can't say that on air. Oh, I can't yeah. Say that. You're not allowed to yeah. share these things. No, you can have it on multiple devices. I've only got it on one device. Not across
1: many, many households.
0: Oh, yeah. oh right, okay, sorry.
1: I'll have to come round and... You
0: could come round and watch Watch Attack on Titan. Watch it
1: with your missus while you're out.
0: Yeah, maybe. Okay, thanks for that. Yeah. Right, so we'll see you next time on Those Vicar Blokes.